Right, the ongoing battle with the dirtiest four-letter word in professional wrestling. Of course, I am your host Brian Breaker, and this is episode four, which means were we a month into this now? Like that's uh, it's crazy how fast and how slow sometimes time can go. Um, Breaker and Bane's power hours approaching um, in February, seven years, and I've been doing this show for a month. It's wild. It's very wild how things go. Uh, but I'm very excited for episode four. I think everyone's going to enjoy it. My guest is Daniel Cross. And some of you may not be familiar with Daniel Cross. He is a WLW alumni, World League Wrestling. You'll hear me talk about that a lot. If you don't know, that is my home promotion. That's where I got my start. Um, owned and operated at the time by the man himself, um, Handsome Harley Race. So me and Daniel are very much like the Harley Race guys. Um... All of us were at that time, you know what I mean? Because we came in, we, we were taught by Harley. Yeah, he wasn't in the ring taking bumps with us, but he oversaw everything and he trained us the way he wanted us to be trained. So you'll hear stories about that and then just overall our experiences in the wrestling business. And uh, Daniel's a guy who got in very young and, and got some experiences. And then, you know, I think after a few years, he decided to kind of step back. He had some, he had some roadblocks also too, injuries and, and things of that nature. And... Everybody, I think, always has that mindset of what wrestling is going to be, but it doesn't always turn out that way. And you'll hear all about it on this conversation with Daniel Cross, which uh, I'm I'm definitely looking forward to everyone checking out. And you know, he's been on Breaker and Bane's Power Hour before, um, but now he's kind of you know he was kind of a guy that didn't really uh, um, accept technology as much initially because I wanted him on Power Hour you know years before he was on, but. Like, he's like, oh, yeah, I have a flip phone. I'm like, oh, okay, well, uh, that may not work for Skype <laughs> and stuff like that. But he's actually, um, he's doing some stuff now. He has a website, um, Atomic Fandom, which you can find on Facebook. I mean, him actually did a fantasy draft for a pay-per-view, like, and in, in kind of discussed who would win said matches based on, on, the, on the people we picked for the matches, which was a lot of fun, something we'll probably do again in the future. And, you know, he's also talked about possibly going into podcasting himself so i think that's i think it's really cool i think you know this is a such a fun creative outlet for people to dive into something um that maybe you haven't done before like podcasting before you know power hour i wouldn't have even known how to do it you know i, I take i give bane 100 percent of the credit there because he was able to figure it out from a tech standpoint and now i'm able to do this show through my phone which is amazing so it's kind of crazy how times change and how something that seems so difficult is relatively simplistic for people to do. So I think that that's really cool. But I'm not going to keep you on the intro too long here. I'm going to kick it over to my guest, the one and only. He was at one point the youngest WLW champion in history, Daniel Cross. Mm-hmm. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to You Know It's Fake Right with former WLW champion Daniel Cross. What's up, man? Not much, and I'm the youngest WLW heavyweight champion of all time. Of 20 all time. years old. 20 years old, wow. Yep. That would be hard to even top nowadays. Yeah, I think Harley liked me, and uh, I started out when I was 18, so it worked out. There you go. What's funny is me and you are about the same age, I think, and when I first met you, I always thought you were like, older than me i think because you had been there quite a bit yeah longer you know i just look older <laughs> well i just always like this guy well, this guy's a veteran i'm just starting you know i was like 21 but you'd been there for a little bit already so so funny story kind of on that when i started in 04 uh trevor Mur- murdoch was there and uh one day when he wasn't there uh one of the other guys darren wade said so daniel how old do you think trevor is and at that time he was uh 26 i think and I said, I don't know, 30, 35. <laughs> <laughs> Trevor's always like the little old, not that he, you know, he has, he didn't always take the best care of himself, but, uh, yeah, he had one of those faces too. So, which is, is kind of funny. Cause you're like, Oh, you're only 30. <laughs> like, when you, like when I, when I first met him, he was only like 30, 31, you know, but again, I kind of uh-huh. assumed he was a little bit older too. So it's kind of interesting, man. Uh, we're back here. I'm at your place here in Eldon, Missouri, where I think it all started for us wrestling wise. Yep. It's it's an interesting town, is it not? It is. Um, yeah, and I was on here while well, I was on the Breaker and Bane Power Hour, I think about a year and a half ago. And yeah, we talked a little bit about Eldon, about all the weird stories and weird people. And it's a big drug community, so that plays, uh, I think, a lot into some of the weirdness. But uh, Have you seen that show Ozark? On uh, I have not, but I've heard some stories when... Uh, Oh, uh, what's the guy's name that plays the... Bateman, Jason Bateman? Yeah, he was down here filming, and uh, yeah, several people ran into him, or servers at restaurants, and but uh, no, I have not actually seen the actual show. Well, there's a group of people that are like these backwoods people, I'm like, oh, that's Eldon. <laughs> <laughs> like, as soon as I watched it, I was like, that's Eldon! That's that's so Eldon right there. So well, yeah, and he filmed like 20 minutes away from Eldon, so yeah, not yeah. too far out of the neck of the woods. Yeah, I thought that was uh, I, thought, <laughs> I thought that was pretty interesting. I was like, that's so what that is, but they're just not saying the word Eldon, Missouri. <laughs> but what's funny is the town of Eldon, there's really nothing going on here. Had it not been a wrestling school, what are the odds either of us would have ever came across this town ever? Oh, yeah, never. Yeah. Um, I wasn't even that huge a fan of the Lake of the Ozarks area, which where Eldon is. It's just um, better than Eldon. Yeah. <laughs> and I told, uh, anytime you you know, you know say that you're from Eldon or that the Harley Race Wrestling Academy was in Eldon, that's the first thing they say is, well, where's that? And then I just say, yeah, it's in the Lake of the Ozarks. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's an interesting town, um, for sure. But, you know, you, you came up here in 04. I moved up here in 07. Um, I guess... What what were your thoughts? Because you know, obviously, the name of the show. I want like to give everyone's like real life perspectives on what it's like to be a pro wrestler. Because I think the average person doesn't know, and I base that upon I've gotten so many random weird questions <laughs> in my life of like, "Oh, you're a wrestler? Really? Like, did you wrestle in high school?" I'm like, no, because that's it's not the same thing, you know. Nope. And so there's always those kind of questions and interactions you have with people. Um, for you, what was it like when you? you wanted to be a wrestler to, to starting to do it to everyone's reaction to, Oh, you're a wrestler now. Um, well, it was something that I always talked about, I think since I was like 12 years old. And then when I found out, you know, shortly, maybe around 1999, somewhere in there that Harley had a school. Um, then I kind of had the game plan in place there. And then, yeah, I think when, when I started telling people when I was a junior, senior in high school, like, yeah, I'm going to go be a wrestler. That's when they started taking it a little more seriously, and 
and then the reactions were it was usually kind of a chuckle you know like a little smirk yeah um i don't know it's 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 hard to explain of course you know we all love wrestling to the person who's not a fan it just looks like a bunch of grown men in their underwear and and it tends to bring a little bit of uh, embarrassment maybe uh at times not for me necessarily but i think people it's more like people are embarrassed for you but you're really not embarrassed yourself you're like, yeah that's what i like <laughs> it's a weird thing to um i guess to explain to someone who doesn't get it yeah and and so you're like well yeah i'm a, I'm a pro wrestler and of course they, they immediately think oh well that's not real it's fake it's whatever they want to say but it's like sort of movies yeah I'm like well it's different i'm like it's, it's really not it's the same it's entertainment you know and i don't know like the, my whole experience with wrestling is where it's become as i've gotten older it's easier to just not tell people. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, I, I've talked to a, a, a few people who've been like, they've made up stories of situations <laughs> where maybe they got their nose broken or their eye blacked or something in a match. And it's easy, like, oh, I fell down the stairs. That's easier than <laughs> just saying I'm a, I'm a pro wrestler on uh-huh. the side. Yeah. Yeah, as I was thinking about, you know, this show and uh, just that question that you tend to get, you know, oh, well, it's fake, right? For me, I feel like it's almost like a knee-jerk question or a knee-jerk reaction that people have, almost like a conversation starter um, when they hear that you're a pro wrestler. Like, I think there's certain professions, or even actually today, um, I went to the eye doctor and there was a guy there who was like six foot five. And of course, I asked the question that he probably gets asked on a daily basis and is tired of it. I'm like, oh, so did you play basketball? Right. Uh, Because you're a tall guy. (laughs) Because you're a tall guy. Or like if you're a, a police officer and you you walk into a restaurant or Walmart or whatever it may be and you're in uniform, there's always that one guy that'll say something like, oh, don't shoot. <laughs> or, uh, right. or, oh, who's in trouble? And yeah. I'm sure the cop's like, yeah, <laughs> I hear that every day. That's three times a day. Thank <laughs> yeah. you for meeting the quota. Yeah. So I think with wrestling, I think it's similar where when you tell somebody – you know, yeah, I'm a pro wrestler, or they hear you're a pro wrestler. Like, their first thing they say is almost like a conversation starter is, oh, so that stuff's all fake, right? So. Well, and I think because wrestling now in 2020, even, well, 2021 when this airs, like, wrestling is more open now than it's ever been, right? And it's presented in a way even to where it's like the fans are almost in on it. There's not a whole lot of, like, you know, pulling the curtain back and trying to present that realism more. That being said, the average person doesn't really understand this, and so they they see pro wrestling. And I think, like you like you were talking about the tall guy or the cop getting the same things. Pro wrestling is probably even more rare because the average person's probably never met a pro wrestler. So they find out you're a pro wrestler, they immediately think also, oh, you're in WWE. Right? Yeah, that's I, another question. I remember waiting tables at Chili's here at the lake, <laughs> and I did a thing on Raw where I was a security guard uh-huh. in a segment. You know, you've been there. 15 minutes of fame, everyone's, oh, that's awesome. And then it, you know, the next week goes by and no one remembers it. It's whatever. But people that work there happen to see it. So they were telling customers and other people about it. So I have customers like, so are you uh, going to be on, on, on TV this Monday? And I'm like, yeah, I do this you know, because I like it. <laughs> yeah. Here's your soup. <laughs> and it's like they don't understand how insulting that is. It's like do you think I want to be here? Do you think I want to be doing this? Um, Yeah, I just do this for fun to keep in touch with common folk like you all. (laughs) Jack Gamble tells a story because he did that three-month dojo tour with with Pro Wrestling Noah. Everyone's like, why don't you just go back to Japan? And he's like, oh, (laughs) I never thought about that. Why why not? 
why am I working here? Like, let's leave this crappy job behind and go back to Japan. <laughs> Never would have thought that. Yeah, and, I always thought Japan, that was a big culture shock um, as far as how they treat you over there. Sure. Like here, you know, as an indie wrestler working for WLW or, or wherever, and, uh, you know, nobody knows who you are. You go, you're setting up the ring, tearing it down. Um Coming Very out, non-glamorous. Coming out like a doorway. It's not a curtain. Yeah, but it's not a set. Yeah. Like my first, well, not my first day, but once we started to go on tour in Japan, um, there were people like fans waiting for your autographs outside the hotel. Like the cardboard. The <laughs> yeah, the big like 10 by 10 cardboard. I don't know what they do with those, but yeah, that's what we were signing. Big sign, big sign. Okay. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> here's another good story. So, me and, uh, when I was in Japan, it was me, Ted DiBiase Jr., uh, Brian Danielson, Bison Smith, and uh, Joe Legend, just Joe from WWE. So, and I don't know why this was okay, but we were sitting in our hotel, me and Ted, and the phone rings, and it's the front desk, and it's some fan. Apparently, the front desk just gave him our phone number, gave him the hotel room we're staying in. I guess that's okay in Japan. And these guys were like begging us to come downstairs and do pictures. And you're like, uh, we bring you stuff. We bring you stuff to to take your picture. You come down, take picture. And we're like, okay. And, and usually manners goes out the windows <laughs> when there's a language barrier. It's yeah. not like, please, please do it. It's like, come take picture. And you're like, yeah. okay. So me and Ted, we go down there and they give us all this. I don't know if they're, we don't know what we were doing. If they're training these things for pictures, whatever the, the case is, they gave us some stuff from the Hard Rock Cafe in Tokyo, like glasses, T-shirts, and then they start taking pictures, so we're doing the normal fist pose and stuff, and we're pregnant off topic. But anyway. Um, that's that's the typical. Indian yeah. Wrestler. And I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah the one-arm Her. fist pose. <laughs> yeah. And then I like, he, I like this guy. Her. <laughs> and then this was the creepiest thing. He goes to uh, Ted, and he says, um, maybe secret body picture? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> we're like... We're like, um, what is that? And he's like, and I think he just wanted Ted to take his shirt off. Well, but a, a that's a very that. odd way to put it. Like secret body picture. Like we'll never, I'll never forget that. I still, I still have, uh, made fun of Ted about that. You done any secret body pictures lately? <laughs> <laughs> I know in Japan when I went, I went with Trevor and you know, he'd already had his WWE run. So he was, uh-huh. he was coming in, not like as a WLW guy, but as a, a star and they specifically asked to get pictures of him in his gear yeah and paid him like big money to do it and like he comes downstairs they wanted like the wrist tape and everything (laughs) okay like and he went back up and taped his wrist and came back down and he's like i'm not putting my boots on like i'm not tying my boots i'll put my knee pads on that's it but i thought that was like in america you don't ask for that right you know what i mean like you see a guy at a gas station and he's wearing his nike shirt or whatever and it's just like oh perfect thanks you know different culture over there oh yeah yes that was that was an odd experience they didn't for some reason they didn't ask me for a secret body picture i guess they didn't want to see me with my shirt off i don't know i think it could be <laughs> also to the fact that his last name is dibiase yeah yeah probably has something, yeah, to, probably do had something to do with it but um funny story there's a couple of guys i'll tell you who they were off the air but jack, <laughs> jack gamble reminded me of the story they went to go stay in the dojo they are also you know their dad was a legend in the business as well yeah uh-huh. And so I guess they went to the dojo, and they brought their internet router from home. Of course, they did not bring a 3,000-mile extension cord to plug in said router. 
And I guess like they're like trying to get an internet signal and it's like, yeah, there's no internet in the building, pal. That ain't going to work. <laughs> but Noah ended up getting a Wi-Fi in the dojo, which you got other guys were like, I'm kind of glad they were stupid, you know, like, <laughs> got us internet here. So nice. Definitely helps, a different helps world, to who, though. you know, it definitely does. But, um, so like, what's that like for you now? So now, you know, you've been in WLW top guy trainer done the Japan thing. The average person probably here. Oh, you went to Japan. They don't know what that means necessarily, but that's a big deal. And in, in yeah. terms of wrestling, but it's still like you're still an average guy to most people. So there's still those weird questions, right? Yeah, like uh, well, especially when you're in Eldon, I guarantee like you surveyed the entire town of Eldon. Probably not one person's ever been out of the country. I don't let alone and probably only half of yeah, <laughs> only about half have probably been out of the state. So, you know, they just think that it's cool. And, you know, you tend to not share a lot of that. But when they do find out, um, yeah, they tend to just think it's cool that you went out of the country. They don't really care for what. Yeah. You know, they would have been impressed if you're like, oh, I went to Indiana. Whoa, what's (laughs) Indiana like? (laughs) Did you drive a car? (laughs) How'd you get there? Well, and I don't know how many times I've been asked, so have you been back to China yet? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I've never been to China, you racist idiot. <laughs> it's They're a, all the same. Yeah, it's a different country. But uh, it's such a, it's such an interesting, I guess it's just such an indus- in- interesting industry in that regard. Like you said, so many people don't, they don't understand pro wrestling. I don't know how many times I've been asked if I did sumo wrestling. Yeah. I didn't know there was wrestling in Japan. Like, yeah, there is. And or if someone does find out, oh, you're a pro wrestler. Like, yeah, I'm a pro wrestler. Who do you wrestle for? Because they know basically WWE, right. maybe now AEW, but that's mm-hmm. that's it. So you're a pro wrestler. Like, yeah. Who do you wrestle for? Oh, I'm independent. Well, what does that mean? That's a whole new conversation. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like let's stick, let's stay on topic here. I'm an independent wrestler. I can wrestle anywhere I want. Does it pay a lot? No, it doesn't. Not really. Then, <laughs> well, why do you do it? Because I'm an idiot? I don't know. Yeah. Like, it's like you start asking these questions, and that's where it's always funny to me because it just starts going in that weird direction where you're just like, I don't even Yeah, you get kind guy. of exhausted from the – and it's always kind of the same 10 questions, you know, mm-hmm. from people who, who aren't in the know. Um, probably the biggest thing I would always get asked next to the – so is it fake? Um, biggest thing I would get asked is – and if it's usually a fan, they would recognize me wherever I'm at, Walmart – uh, locally, you know, and uh, like I'd be down at Lake Ozark or Osage Beach Walmart. Well, and again, you're a big guy. Right. So when they see that, oh, I wonder if he's a wrestler. That kind of always sometimes yeah. comes up. So they would come out to me like, oh, hey, Daniel Cross, saw you last month in the community center. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. So when's Harley bringing Sting in? And I'd be like, I don't know. Or they're like, when's Harley bringing Flair in? I don't know. <laughs> so you, I'm sure you remember Simon Gotch. Uh-huh interesting guy yeah we were doing flyers one time this is right before i moved to florida for nxt and we were putting flyers in a bar in you know lake of the ozarks you know thursday afternoon five o'clock full of drunk people <laughs> and so the show we were promoting did have flair as the guest no oh. and so we were hanging up flyers this guy's like brooke flyers coming and said and uh, gotcha like yeah absolutely he's like what about hulk hogan he's like oh yeah terry's coming He's going to be there. And him and Harley going to, you know, they're going to lock horns. And he's like, really? And he just starts listing off all these names. I'm like, dude, you can't do that. Like, what are you doing? He goes, it's a drunk idiot. Like, because <laughs> he going to tell. And I'm like, well, okay, good point. Yeah, Terry's coming. He's coming. Thunder in Paradise Part 2. So there you go. It's just, it's funny how, like you said, hey, when's Sting coming in? Like, we had a promoter. That reminds me of a story. He co-promoted shows with us in Sedan, Kansas. 
nice guy, but very weird. And he, I guess, wanted us to bring in Kevin Nash yeah. as the guest. Okay, well, he's not with a big company. That's probably doable. And we're all on the phone with Harley, who's not slipping yet, but like, is mm. in the pro- so we're helping with things. And so I asked the guys, like, do you know what his price is? He goes, huh? I'm like, well, I don't either, <laughs> but I'm just, I'm, based on common knowledge, it's not cheap. He's like, well, how much do you think? I was like, I don't know, probably two or three thousand. Well, you gotta be kidding me! <laughs> I was like, what do you think he's coming for fifty bucks? Yeah. Like, like he's filming like Magic Mike and stuff. Like, come on, like this guy's a wrestler and a actor, like a working actor. Yeah, I've got several stories on wrestlers' prices like that. Because um, I worked in the office with Harley, so I would be in the other room <clears throat> on the computer while he was on the phone talking to guys, looking, you know, looking to bring people in. And he was always trying to bring in different people because uh, he'd usually he'd make his rounds. Like he'd bring in Terry Funk for a month or two, and then he'd bring in Mick Foley for a month or two. Ted DiBiase was always a, a person that came in a lot, especially when his son started training. Sure. But he's always kind of on the hunt for other people, and there's there was and guys like that. Yeah, there were several. I think, uh, yeah, man, there's been a list of guys which we could go through a different time. But like Kurt Henning's been here. CM Punk actually wrestled here at one time before, before he went big. Um, We we actually almost got him when he was WWE champion. Oh yeah, Harley. I'm sure he would have done it too. He actually was going to, and what happened is Harley. We needed a, a name for this big show, and. And so I was like, what about punk? Just why not? And Harley's like, let me call him. And he's on speaker. Hey, punk, it's Harley Race. I was like, hey, Harley, how you doing? He's like, I got a show coming up. He's like, you want me to make an appearance? And he was like, well, would you be able to? So let me talk to Johnny. He's like, do you want the title on the line? And, I, and I'm thinking like, oh, my God, this guy's going to work. Like, know. you know, and you know, if you met punk, that's not out of the ordinary because he loved Harley so much. Yeah. Oh, yeah. WWE, I don't. I think he ended up having an appearance that day. Yeah. Uh-huh. So Laurinaitis calls back, and I'm in the room with Harley, and he looks at me, and he goes, "David Otunga," and I'm like, <laughs> goes, "Dolph Ziggler," and I'm like, "Okay, that's good. That's that's a good one." And I was just like, "Not not Otunga." We, well, that'll push people away, you know. Like, yeah. no, nobody wants him here. But yeah, but that's like you said, like so many people have come through WLW. Macho Man Randy Savage had some, oh, yeah. some appearances back in the day. Oh man, that's a story too. I don't know how off topic you want to get, but. Um, it's all about going all over the place, you know. Well, I guess I'll finish my other thought. Yeah, then I can talk about Macho Man because he, yeah, he was crazy. Anyway, so yeah, I've been in, I was in the office, and there's been several people that Harley's just laughed at and then hung up the phone because the price they wanted. Roddy Piper was one, which Roddy Piper did end up coming at one point in time, but yeah. uh, the first time he called or Harley called him, I think he wanted like three grand or something, and Harley just laughed and hung up. Uh, Kurt Angle, when he just came out of WWE and was starting with TNA, Harley called him, and I want to say he wanted five grand for an appearance and ten grand to wrestle. Harley laughed at him and hung up. I know, I know <laughs> that to be true as well because Pro Wrestling Noah tried to book him. Yeah, and they wanted his price, which we had to get, and then you know, can what? <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, he's an American uh, hero. What can I say? Yeah, no kidding. 
Apparently he's smart. I know he came in for ROH, I think, during that time, so I guess they ponied up and paid him. I guess so. He did actually do a WLW appearance a couple of years ago. Yep, I do remember that too, so I'm guessing he came down on his price. I think all these guys eventually come down on their price when they're not as recognizable. Well, you know how it is. <laughs> like, if a promoter contacts you, you always ask for more than you're willing to come in for. Right. And so it's like, yeah, I'll come in for 100 well, like, and you know, it's 5000 plus trans, plus hotel, plus, you know, everything else, so. Yeah. It adds up. It does. And, well, I mean, you just got to do the math. And that's where I think so many independent promotions, they don't do the math. Um, you just got to figure what's, you know, best case scenario, how many people are we going to have if we bring this guy in, times that, times $10 a ticket. Does it cover this guy's fee? <laughs> well, And, then and also, most of the time it would not. Well, and that's the thing, too, is if you have a guy like Kurt Angle, it's like, okay, well, if we bring you in, can we have all the merch money? And yeah. charge 20 bucks for an 8 by 10 because... He's going to sell some 8x10s. Yeah. And maybe you can make your money back. I mean, there's ways to finagle, I guess. But Yeah, man. One of the – I tried to talk Harley into this when we had Jim Duggan in. I said, Harley, here's what we need to do. I said, we need to go down to the lumber yard. We need to cut out a bunch of 2x4s. Oh, good call. We need to have him autograph these, and then you know we'll sell these for a year. You yeah. know, it shows. And I don't know. For whatever reason, he didn't want to do it. Or he didn't want to ask Duggan to do that for us or – Something like, man, this is like, you could charge like 20 bucks for a two by four. Right. Which is what? Yeah. And it's $2. Yeah. Like a, I don't know, like a eight by or a, a two by 12 is probably like seven, six bucks, something like that. So anyway, uh, so macho man. Yeah. He came in in Oh five <clears throat> and he came in a couple of times. So the first time, I don't know what the deal was, but he was just like out of it. I've heard. Yeah. Pilled up. I don't is know that what, what he called out Harley. Um, yes, I believe so. So, but he was like a vegetable in the back. He's just sitting on a chair, just zoned out, not doing anything. He came in for one show. Um, and then I'm trying to remember because I'm, I think I'm getting the two confused, the two appearances he had. But yeah, he wasn't, wasn't doing anything. He called out Harley. Um, and then he came back a few weeks later. And I do remember this. This was in Warsaw. And he was a totally different person. He was like energetic, yelling. Uh, while we were setting up the ring, he was playing basketball in the gym. <laughs> And then, yeah, once the ring was set up, he got in there, and he was like, Harley, Harley, get in here, you chicken, huh? <laughs> so, of course. I can only imagine Harley's <laughs> reaction to this. So, Harley's just like, I don't So, this is before the show, obviously. So, uh, Harley Harley being Harley, he rolled in there, and they locked up. And I don't, Were you around at that I time? Not, okay. No. So, they locked up, and Harley backed him in the corner, and we're all marking out at oh, this yeah. point. Because you got Randy Savage and Harley in the ring. So Harley, they lock up. Harley backs him into the corner. Harley starts giving Randy Savage headbutts. <laughs> Randy's selling. He's bumping for Harley. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and I do remember the second half of the first story. But anyway, um, yeah, so Savage is bumping for Harley. And then that was about it. They didn't do a whole lot, but we were still all marking out. Like, we were all whisper, like, we were all watching and whisper each other, this is awesome. Like, imagine if you had an <laughs> iPhone at that time. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, man, that, if, if only. There's no way that that was not better than anything you guys did on the show. That you know what I <laughs> oh, mean? Oh, yeah, like, that was great. It's Harley and Macho Man. Like I said, so he was just a totally different person um, in that appearance. And then, yeah, during the show, he came out, and, yeah, he was going crazy on the mic, and he called out Hogan, and he called out Harley. And Was this around the rap album time? I think so. Yeah. And then... Um, I don't remember. Anyway, so he and then he, we give him a ride home, or one of the guys does, and he's like, "Take me to the airport, brother. I'm hurt. 
I'll take the heat. I'll take because he was supposed to do a show the next day. Right. And he just kept begging. Uh, it was Street Fighter, Jason Bates. He kept begging him. Uh, he's like, just take me to the airport. I can't make the show tomorrow. I'll take the heat. So and That's such a hard spot. Yeah, well, Jason said, I'm not doing it. I'll drop you off at your hotel like I'm supposed to. You do what you want from there. So uh, Savage ends up going home to Florida, I think is where he was living. And then as soon as Jason dropped off Macho Man, he called Harley and said, hey, Harley, I think Macho Man's going to no-show you tomorrow night. <laughs> So anyway, I'm going to back up because I think this was uh, – so the first time he came in, like I said, he was just completely out of it. Yeah. Um, and we're driving home, and I used to follow Harley with the ring truck. And they were pulling over like every 20 minutes, and Macho Man was like falling out of the vehicle, throwing up on the street. And he's in Harley's ride? He's in Harley's truck. And they pull over a gas station, same thing. He's like can't even hardly walk, throwing up everywhere. Just horrible. And then, uh, anyway, they take him back to the hotel. I go help Harley unhook the trailer. That was kind of my job. So then, and yeah, this is, anyway, so Harley calls me uh, in the morning, and he said, Dan, I need you to go pick up Macho Man from his hotel room. And the whole time there, like not putting the spotlight on myself, but I'm thinking, this is it. I'm going to be the guy that finds Macho Man dead in his hotel room. Oh, yeah. Because if you just saw him the night before, I'm like, because it is not the same Randy Savage we're probably all used to. So that's the that's all I'm thinking. Because I see and you're a young guy, so yeah. So and that's I, I was like, super, I was like 19 years old. That's super weird to be like seeing like this legend, like yeah, his guts out and stuff. So I'm sitting there, I'm driving to the hotel, and that's all I'm thinking. I'm like, this is it. I'm and I'm already picturing like there's going to be news vans there. I'm going to have to do an interview. Like I don't know what's going to happen. And then my worst fears are starting to come true because I get to the hotel. I tell the front desk guy, I'm like, hey, um, I'm here for Randy Savage. I blah, blah, blah. And they start calling the room and nobody's picking up. Mm. And they just keep calling and calling. I'm like, oh, crap. (laughs) And I'm like, all right, I'm going to have to call Harley and tell him. So finally, uh, all I hear is over the the phone, why, 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 why? And you're like, uh, um, sir, there's a, a man here to pick you. I'll be right down. <laughs> and so then an hour later, I'm still waiting there in the lobby. Finally, sure. he comes down. And again, he's just like a vegetable. So we take him to the show. He does another show that night. But yeah, but the, I don't know what was going on. But yeah, it was it was strange. <laughs> That's the part about like, I'll never forget when Piper did the show in Eldon. Um, he basically is coming out to do an enforcer spot bad guy manager does something wrong pipe whatever it is then the you know the baby face wins the title and that's pretty much all you're going to get out of a legend yeah these days and so we're all up on the stage because there was some issue with no that commission wanted security there we didn't have security obviously so all the wrestlers that worked the night before or that <laughs> night uh-huh. are up on stage in our street clothes after piper <laughs> does his deal he like barrel rolls up on the Eldon Community Center stage. Uh-huh. He gets up. He makes direct eye contact with Bonsai. He goes, "That's just what I do." Walks back in. He looks at me. And I was like, "I don't know." <laughs> and then uh, another guy, Dustin Bosworth, had to drive Piper home or back to the airport, I guess. And so he pulls up in his like you know truck, his Chevy truck, whatever. And Piper just throws his bag in the bed of the truck and then rolls in the bed of the truck. <laughs> And Dustin, you know, and he's kind of a kind of a goofball guy anyway. He's like, hey, there's a, you can set up front, man. There's a seat. And he goes, good back here, kid. I'm just like, airport's a ways away, man. Like, 
really? I get kind of windy on the highway. I, and I think I think he he was like, "We well, want some food." And he's like, "Yeah, let's get some food." So I, they ate in Eldon, and then he <laughs> talked him into sitting in the the bed of the truck. But it's like one of those things is like, I wonder if he knows it's like a two and a half hour drive. You know, like why would you just roll in the back of the truck? Uh, yeah, it's kind of what you find out as an indie wrestler when you start to meet your heroes. Sometimes they're not all there. <laughs> It's an unfortunate thing, but yeah, it definitely does happen. So here's, a, I'll tell you a great Haku story. I was not in on this one. And this isn't about, this is one of those tough guy Haku stories. Right. Which are always great. But uh, they Nicest picked, guy in the world. I met oh, him yeah. in Florida. Super nice guy. You couldn't believe he's the guy that you hear about sometimes. Right. But Haku, we, uh, they, I don't remember, I think it was Steve, Superstar Steve, and a few of the other guys, and maybe a girl. They went to St. Louis to pick him up from the airport. They're coming back. They get a flat tire. Um, they get the, the car jacked up, and they realize they don't have a tire iron to take off the lug nuts. So they're like, ah, crap, what are we going to do? So all of a sudden, they start hearing Haku, and he's like just snorting and growling. like, <gasps> and like, what's going on? And then he's like psyching himself up, and he unscrews the lug nuts with his bare hands Not sure on the car. Uh they change the tire. He starts grunting again. He tightens the lug nuts back on the spare tire with his bare hands. And then they make it to the show. Anyway, random story about that. But, yeah, Haku's crazy. <laughs> I, I met him at a show in Florida. And, you know, I, I was pretty pretty close with his uh, his son, T, who is in New Japan now. And I didn't know Tomatonga at the time. But Haku was just hanging out at the show. And, like, no one's really talking to him. And I, I don't know if that's, like, a fear thing or what. But I just... yeah. Because he's a big, scary-looking man. Reputation precedes him, obviously. So I just went and talked to him. I was like, hey, I'm one of Harley's students. He's like, oh, Harley, I love that Harley. You know, and he, mm-hmm. like, could you, uh, could you, you know, give me his number? And I was like, sure. And he hands me his iPhone. He goes, I don't know how to do this. And I was like, <laughs> here we go. And so, like, they were like, I appreciate your help with my dad. And I'm like, no, I get it. You know, like, Harley, I mean, I'll, I'll never forget him. Did I ever tell you about the, the message he left Triple H? <laughs> no, I don't think so. I'll tell this now that Harley's passed away because this is a good one. So he's, I got a call. got to call Hunter. I'm like, give me a step out. He's like, ah, it's all, that's all right. And so he, you know, he dials ridiculously slow uh, on his uh, speakerphone. He's got those big monkey paws. I don't even know how he dials Well, he has to have the big big numbers. He can't <laughs> yeah. have like the little ones, right? And so he finally dials the rings. Of course, goes the voicemail. Hey, Hunter, it's Harley Race calling. Give me a jingle when you get a chance. Something I got to talk with you about. Numbers, uh... Two one. Ah, that's not yet. Hang on. It's five seven three. Two one. That's not it either. Hang on. Uh, he's like shuffling papers. <laughs> number is five seven three. That's not it either. Yeah, where's that number? I'm like hearing all this. I'm like, I just like type it out real quick. There it is. Okay. Uh, yeah, is that the right number? I'm like, he has caller ID. You know, like clearly this guy can call you back, but it just. Hearing a voicemail like that, uh-huh. I mean, it just it cracked me up. I was like, "That's it's typical, like that old old school legend thing." And then knowing Harley, one hunter called him back. He probably forgot what he was going to say. Oh, probably. So yeah, it's just a uh, it's 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 funny kind of seeing these real life things take place. So that, as far as Harley getting confused, here's my favorite story on that. Um, Samoa Joe and Kabashi had that match in ROH in 05. Harley was in on it because he kind of brokered the deal to bring Kabashi over from Noah to have him wrestle for ROH. So uh, I was it was like a Monday morning, and I heard kind of rumors. I didn't see the show, obviously. It wasn't on TV. 
But I heard rumors from other people through, I think, Ace Steel. People were texting back and forth because, yeah, that's how it was back then, back in 05. And um, anyway, I heard heard it went good. So, And I didn't nobody had seen the match yet. It's like Kobashi's United States debut, isn't it? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, and it was you know, an amazing match once you saw it. So anyway, Monday morning, I'm in the office. Harley said, Dan, how was that uh, match Kobashi had up there in New York? And I said, oh, I said, from what I heard, I thought, I think it went really well. He's like, yeah, you wrestled that uh, Samoa Joe. He's really tough, you know. He's the Sheik's nephew. <laughs> so he's thinking Sabu. Yeah, he's thinking Sabu. So I just kind of let it go. I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. So actually, coincidentally enough, then, a few months later, in December of that year, 05, uh, the Noah guys come back. I don't know how it all worked out, but Sabu actually came in to Iowa, and he was going to work for free. Um, for uh, something about his wife was a Japanese photographer and had to be there anyway. I don't know. But anyway, so Sabu was coming in. He might have been trying to get a deal with Noah. You know what I mean? It's yeah, and that could be too. So Sabu came to Steamboat Rock, Iowa for like 100 people because those Noah shows were never big because nobody in the Midwest knows who they are. But anyway, Sabu comes in and, and Harley said, yeah, that uh, Sabu's coming in uh, to do our show in Iowa. I'm like, really? That's crazy. Like, yeah, he's one tough kid. He wrestled Kabashi up there in New York. <laughs> so, uh, and I was like, okay. Yeah. So I told that to Again, Ace. You just let it go, right? Yeah. So apparently then, I don't know if this was a nickname that stuck, but they started and they told Samoa Joe that story in ROH because Ace would go back and forth uh, to ROH at times. So backstage, I don't know how long it lasted, but they call, started calling him Sabua Joe. Sabua Joe. <laughs> Classic stuff, though. Oh you know, yeah, good it just, stuff. It's just it, that's what's so funny about someone like like Harley. Uh huh. You know, seeing him interact with the guys backstage <coughs> was, was always always cracked me up because he, you know he what, didn't he what, didn't care about stepping on toes. You know? No, and what you know what was cool about wrestling for Harley and bringing in all these names. You know, you hear horror stories about some guys like the honking talk man coming in and, and whatever, being half drunk or whatever. But any of these guys, when they came in to wrestle for Harley, they were always on their best behavior, super respectful. They wouldn't dare no-show him. Right. Um, like, you know, you hear about some with names and coming to indie shows. Right. So, yeah, I mean, that, that part was always cool because you always – again, you got to sit down and, like, I got to talk to honky talk man and pick his brain a little bit and – uh, when he came in, and then but then you hear other times where he's like a complete jerk backstage, and yeah, he he, he did a few shots when I first started. And he was always super, <coughs> super cool. I oh thought, yeah, I always I always got along with Honky Tonk. He was uh, he was a cool guy to have around. So it's but it's it's always so interesting, like you said, to see these guys. Like my very first show, Honky, like the the dressing room was in this town, El Dorado Springs. There was like a wall. The urinals were there, but you could actually completely walk around this whole area. And so I'm using the urinal. Honky Tonk Man's coming the opposite way. So I turn, and I see him, and he's got his jumpsuit completely <laughs> pulled down, his tights around his knees, full-on exposing his guitar. <laughs> I'm just like, welcome to pro wrestling. I just yeah. like, turn, I'm like, I'll go the other way. It's just, there's something Yeah, those guys so have no shame when they get to that age. None. Like, all. I've been wearing tights for 50 years. I don't care anymore. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's always so interesting. We got. I got to touch on this too. Something I want to talk about. After you did the podcast a couple of years ago, um, 
I found out later, which the whole time I knew you, I never really knew this, but you, you're a bit of a figure collector too, or you were back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was super into it when I was, you know, obviously a kid. It's like my, I would say my, my figure collections kind of went through three phases. Well, the first things I can ever remember playing with actually were my brother's He-Man toys. That was a little before my time, but that's what he was into. Which is funny. They're making a comeback now. Oh, yeah. And he had the he got the Castle Grayskull for Christmas, so we had that. That's kind of that kind of goes down as the best playset of all time, I think. They're actually remaking that. Oh yeah, I've seen it, and the Snake Mountain or whatever it was. Yeah, well, kind of like you, I think we were born around the same time. But my my older cousins were into Masters of the Universe, uh-huh. so I you know, was playing with like He Man and Skeletor and those, and I didn't really know who they were, but they kind of look like wrestlers to me because what yeah. they're wearing. <laughs> but I remember like for whatever reason it hit at that point where these are evil, can't play with them. Oh, it, yeah. Because it, it was popular. and uh, Yeah, see, I think I might have just missed that or don't remember it. Yeah, But, but no, I can see that. Cause, well, because I, I didn't have any of them, but my mom's <laughs> like, you can't have any of those. Those are, those are bad. And I'm like, oh, okay. I Actually, mean, I, I saw some He-Man episodes not too long ago, and I'm like, wow, this is kind of dark for kids. It's yeah. like sorcery and... It's a little... It's, it's weird campy, stuff going yeah, on. Yeah, lots of, lots of funny, like goofy characters so that was the first thing i can remember playing with with just my brother's stuff and then when i, I got, got into my own thing the first thing was ninja turtles had a bunch of so, weird side collections going on like uh toxic crusaders which was class that's actually probably my favorite toy line of all time and they only had one one little run i think i think they were pretty congruent with the turtles figures too were they? yeah yeah about the same size bright colors big muscles that's all the stuff i looked for in early 90s action figures absolutely uh, had battle trolls. Uh, those were those popular so, for about six months. <laughs> so cool. I, I remember having the one that looked like the Terminator. Uh, uh-huh. actually I, I had that one. Yeah. Yep. And I remember blue hair, yellow and black. Yep. Well, cause trolls, we got real popular for some reason. And those were kind of just like whatever to me for girls. Yeah. yeah. Kind of like beanie babies. It's like, uh, I don't really get it. Okay. But battle trolls hit and I'm like, oh, I gotta have these. And you know the marketing behind that was like, okay, <clears throat> girls have troll dolls. We need to figure out how we can market this towards boys. Battle I mean, trolls. <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but there was a I don't think it ever actually released, but there was supposed to be in like the upcoming wave that never happened, a Trolltimate Warrior. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I was like, amazing. But <clears throat> Yeah, so I was into uh Ninja Turtles there for a couple of years. After that I phased into uh, Marvel figures, probably about 95, 96. X-Men, Spider-Man, something Yeah, like back that. when they were doing all those Fox kids TV shows, X-Men. That was a good time. Spider-Man, man. Fantastic Four. Started to collect all those, and then 97 or so is when I got into wrestling, and that was pretty much all I collected then for two or three years. And then I think by the time I was a freshman, I don't know, I just actually I remember the last two, so it would have been like Christmas, my eighth grade year, my parents got me an X-Pac and a Christian uh, figure for Christmas. And for whatever reason, I just knew this was going to be the last two that I ever get. And I don't know. I guess I was getting older, getting out of figures. Uh, it's definitely a different time back then. You didn't want to be labeled a nerd or anything in high school. You're just kind of trying to survive. <laughs> yeah, well, it's like... You... It was bad enough. Everybody knew I was into wrestling, but... Right. Well, I, I remember around that time, too. It's like I was always into wrestling, but I didn't dare tell anybody. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you just don't tell anybody. Yeah, that was yeah. back before being a nerd was cool. Right. And so, <laughs> but it's like all of a sudden I'm seeing like NWO Wolfpack shirts and mm-hmm. Austin 316 shirts. I'm like, wait a minute. Like, I'm the wrestling guy. Like, how, how dare you <laughs> wear these shirts yeah. here? And... And so, but it was almost like I've told people before, it's almost kind of like the thing of when you see another guy 
And maybe he makes a wrestling reference, and you're like, yeah. <laughs> you, want, you watch wrestling? You watch, you, you watch wrestling? You watch wrestling, huh? Loser, do you? Because I'll, I'll talk to you about it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I got the magazine. Got to feel out the don't, waters. Don't tell anybody. You know, like it's, yeah. And so it, it's kind of funny that that's how it is. But, um, so yeah, that's kind of what I was into. And then I didn't, like I said, I really didn't collect at all forever. I would, when I was wrestling myself, I would pick up a figure here and there, people I knew, or like I picked up Harley's figures uh, when they came out, those Jacks Legends. Um, I think I picked up a Terry Funk, maybe a, a Ted DiBiase when Just he like got his first figure. Yeah. Um, but then I'll tell you what changed it was when I was into, uh, well, when I had kids, then I started to revisit the toy aisles again um, and going up and down looking for stuff for them. And then, yeah, and then I think even listening to, you know, your all shows and kind of figuring out the fig life community and all that kind of stuff. And I wouldn't say I'm a, I'm a collector so much now, but just cause it's hard to justify spending yeah. that amount of money when you have three kids who need shoes. <laughs> well, but it's, but it's also like, it's even there's times, you know, when obviously when I was wrestling, I didn't buy anything. It's like, no, I didn't have any money, Yeah, but I always like to look, you know, yeah, it's like, there's it's always cr- that thing. Man, like, the, hmm, the prices see. are just insane. And I know, like I, I even researched it myself. I'm sure they're charging what they have to because mm-hmm. just manufacturing everything has gone up. But yeah, to, to look at these toys that back in the day would have been five bucks and now they're 12, 15, 20 bucks. Like those, those new three inch GI Joe figures, super cool, but they're like 12, 13 bucks at Walmart. Right. Those were like what? Five back in the day. Yeah. If that might've been like three. Well, and then they had like KB toys, which is always my favorite place to go because they would always do like the three for nine ninety nine specials. Absolutely. See, my grandmother loved deal. So if we happen to be at KB Toys and she just saw that, we can get three of those. I'm like, what? All right. Yeah. And so I'm picking up three regulars. She's like, no, no, no. Just the, and I'm like, I got Hulkster hug. You know, I don't need him, you know, but like, it's, it's that thing. If she was, <coughs> if she saw a deal, she was all about it because, you know. Yeah. I remember in the nineties going to KB Toys, there was one in Odessa at an outlet mall there. And I always make sure to go along with my parent or my mom was my dad. He never shopped, but going with my mom on those, on those trips, because I knew I was probably going to get at least three Yeah, because they had the deal. And then, uh, but if I went to Walmart, I was probably just going to get one. If that, sometimes they wouldn't let me get anything. I guess they're trying to be good parents and not spoil me. Right. <laughs> and that's, what's so interesting too, about like, like a Hasbro figure, right? Obviously those were, you probably weren't into wrestling as much. During that era, I guess, but yeah, but I remember playing with them. Sure, and and, and same with any other, even like the Jacks bone crunching figures. Those were like five bucks, I think. Yeah. Oh yeah, they're five. So if you're in a toy aisle and you see someone, it's like I could, maybe I could talk my parents into a, a five dollar figure. I can't imagine trying to talk my parents <laughs> into a twenty dollar figure. You know, like no. Like, yeah. You your mind. Yeah, definitely. That's that's changed for sure. Like, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't buy my kids just. Every time I go to Walmart, I wouldn't pick up a $20 figure for him. No. Not even, like, I don't know. It would just be birthdays, Christmas, and that kind of stuff anymore, if they were even into that. But, yeah, the pricing is is crazy. That's why, and I know you've talked about it before, but I think, yeah, collecting now, it's definitely geared towards adults. Well, and, and you brought up an interesting point that I've actually talked to some people about. It's like, you know, if you look at what's on the toy aisle, it's G.I. Joe, it's Power Rangers, it's, it's wrestling still, it's Ninja Turtles, things of that nature, but He-Man. It's not like new stuff. It's stuff that yeah. was around in the 80s or 90s. Yeah, and I think, and again, I'm, I'm always big into research and things. One of the reasons I think toy companies are doing this now is because kids haven't changed a whole lot. They're just as fickled back you know, now as they were back then. It's really hard to base an entire three- or five-year plan 
around one product for kids because kids are in and out of things so quickly. Sure. You know, every, especially it's probably even worse now with, Remember fidget with, spinners. Yeah. <laughs> like what happened? Yeah, to those that? were popular for two weeks. Yeah. 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 Logs. So like, you know, by the time you get a whole marketing campaign behind a new product, kids have already moved on to something else. Yeah. So I think there's more staying power if you gear it towards adults because adults are always going to be into, if they're into that at all, but they'll be into He-Man forever. They're going to be into Ninja Turtles. That's stuff they're always going to be collecting. Um, whereas with kids, it's really hit or miss. And yeah, a lot of times it's miss, I think. I know, um, you know, I had my nephew a few months ago and we were at Walmart. And I was like, all right, I'll, I'll buy you something, but I'm not, not nothing too expensive, you know? And of course he's picking up like, you know, $50 item like this. I'm like, no, <laughs> no, come on, man. Like work with me here. And he found this toy line called power players. I don't know if you've seen oh, this. Yeah. And I don't know anything about it. Yeah, I don't either. But it was a bunch of look like random looking guys. One of them looked like a mass luchador named Masco. It was ten bucks. I was like, okay, I'll get you that if you want. Goes, okay, I want I want Masco. I was like, okay, we'll get you Masco. And again, I haven't seen any new figures of this line. Just those ones that were out. I have. They don't look like they're moving well. Because I always kind of when I'm in the toy, I look see what's what's moving, what's not. Yeah. What's selling, what's not selling. And those again, going back to your point, it's a new property geared towards kids the collectors are passing over this completely Mm -hmm. he sees it as a kid like oh that's fun but probably has never seen the show that it's associated with or anything like that yeah i've actually you know a toy company if i was a kid today the toy company i would be all about is a toy company out of australia called moose toys i'm uh an unofficial spokesman for them um anyway yeah they got some really cool stuff they're the ones who do if you've seen it treasure x and uh, they did, uh, I think it's called Trash Pack and I've seen that. Grocery Gang. That Target, maybe? Yeah. So they've got a couple different things out there. But like that's the toy company I would be all about if I was a kid today. It's very, well, and they do a lot of stuff that I feel would be, it's almost borderline retro, even though that's not what they're going for. A lot of bright colors, neon stuff, and really eye catching. Is it the type of stuff where there's a lot to collect? Yeah. Yeah. It's like those little. Man, and that's crazy too, the pricing on those, because like they're the little rubber figures. They're like a half an inch tall, and there's all sorts of different ones. Probably solid color. Yeah, they remind me actually of like the little things we used to put on the end of our pencils in school, like sure. the erasers. Yeah. Only except, you know, those were like 10 cents, and today, like these little figures are like five bucks a piece for a little half inch rubber figure. Right. <laughs> It's crazy. So the 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 money that has changed in that time. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, but and they have to be making a killer profit on that because it's just like little half inch figures painted one color. There's just no way those things cost anywhere. Those those have to cost like twenty cents to manufacture. <laughs> right, and and that's what's so interesting because I know uh, you know Bane that I do the podcast with. He, at one point, he actually started an online toy store. Toys are really popular. I'm going to sell some toys. And so he looked into like WWE elites and Marvel Legends and toys like that. The price he was going to pay for them was like seventeen bucks a figure. It's like so I sell these for twenty and make three bucks. I'm like, ah, I mean, and then you got to ship it. So I don't know. Like I don't see how that would be super no. profitable. But well, and I mean, it's different if you're running a little internet um, thing out of your own house. But uh, the general rule of thumb and like. Uh, marketing or anything like that is you want to charge about three times what you pay for something. Sure. So in a business world, you know, if he was paying 15 and, bucks a figure, he'd have I to imagine. charge $45 a figure, which won't happen. Right. Which I also think is probably why Walmart and Target, they probably get them cheaper. 
Yeah, and I they would get, think. And would they hope. get like the exclusives and stuff where it gets people in the stores to buy said items and it's all a logistical business, but yep. it's it's wild, man. Uh, Funko Pops, I got to talk about those. I, I know a couple of years ago, people were like, these are going to be like Beanie Babies. Uh-huh. Like, no way. <laughs> and they are, totally. Yeah. I mean, I think there's still the diehards in there, into it, but <clears throat> I don't know, the more I see them, the more I'm just like, eh, I don't know. Like, they're, they're fun, and I get it, and there are a bunch of different lines and all that stuff, but it's just they pump out so many exclusives, chases. It's hard to get them all. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that bothers – um, collectors now, or at least the frustration that I've heard is, you know, collectors, we have a very, well, collectors by nature want to collect. And it's very, uh, it's almost impossible. Well, it is impossible when you're talking about pops to get everything. And even if you could somehow get everything, it'd be impossible to afford it all. And then where do you keep it? Yeah. And like, that's, they actually said the action figure collecting last time I heard anyway, it's like actually weighed down. People are getting out of it because they're getting sick of all the exclusives that they can't get their hands on and they can't complete their collections mm-hmm. and things of that nature. And yeah, Pops is kind of the catalyst to all that because there's yeah so much there. It was cool at first because they were making almost action figures of anything you could imagine. Well, and that's to me like that. What got me into it is when I found out they were doing the New Japan guys. And I'm like, uh-huh. oh, that's kind of fun. You could do like the Flash and Ken from Street Fighter and, you know, Ryu and, you know, Cody Rhodes. It's like, can I put them all together? That's fun. I think if you're a collector now, you almost have to be okay. I would just kind of pick what you want to. I think you have to be okay with not having a complete collection because there's you're just... You're not going to get it. You're not going to get it anymore. And I think, like, for me, if I was to officially start collecting, like, I would really like to just focus on uh, collecting villains. Sure, Like, sure. Uh, I did pick up a Pop Mr. Freeze just because I'm like, oh, that's cool. And I can't believe they made a pop out of Mr. Freeze. Right. <laughs> or right. actually, I was in Walmart today, and they, they had some Back to the Future stuff. And I was looking for a Biff pop because I was like, oh, that'd be cool, a Biff. Sure. Because he's a bad guy. So I've always been about the bad guy. So I think if I was to collect, I would just go for either really obscure things that just are just completely random or, yeah, just focus on villains because I think that would make a, a cool collection. Well, and I think also, too, with collecting, like, and I'm sure you've seen, like, some of the Super 7 figures. I look at those, I'm like, man, these are awesome, but they're 45 bucks a piece. Yeah. Plus shipping. And I'm just like, good lord. Like, the Ninja <laughs> Turtle ones were great. I mean, but, like, like where do you where do you pick and choose? I know, or NECA. Like, those yeah. are insane to yeah, me. Yeah, absolutely. And, the, and they never go on clearance. At least I haven't seen them. They, well, it's like they sell out so fast that, like, they never have a chance to. And yeah. That's what's so crazy about the action figure community. It's like if you sleep on one of those, they're gone. And so it's like, why would they lower their price? They don't need to. And then trying to get them, if you want to pick it up, getting them online is going to be a nightmare. Right. Paying $300 for a two-pack of NECA figures. Which is funny about the NECA ones because I was talking to a friend of mine who's really into them as well. And he was saying, you know, what's funny is now they're making the obscure characters. Like they did did the Triceraton Uh guy, right? I don't even remember that character. Yeah, I don't either. So I I'm saw like, those though. So, but I'm like, okay, so you get the four turtles, you know, Shredder, Bebop, Rocksteady, Splinter, maybe Casey Jones, April. Do you need the really obscure ones? Like, because that's kind of your base. Set. I saw, I just saw a two pack of NECA, and it was two of the foot soldiers. Yeah, like two of them, almost identical figures next to each other. I'm like, who's going to pick that up for right. 50 bucks? But people are doing it. It's it's insane. <laughs> like, you would think you'd be strategized a little more. Okay, I'll stick a foot soldier in with a shredder figure. Well, and they did do, like, 
Raphael in a foot soldier. Uh-huh. Michelangelo. And so I get that. It's like, I got to get the turtle, but okay, I'll buy that too. But two foot soldiers? Right. I've seen that too, but next thing I, time I go back to Target, it's gone. <laughs> I don't understand. I don't know. A lot of computer programmers out there making a lot of money buying random weird stuff. Absolutely. It's 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 bunch wild. of nerds. <laughs> <laughs> nerds. It's a it's a it's definitely an interesting it's an interesting business and and stuff. But, you know, I like I kind of, you know, I know at certain points I, you know, I didn't collect and I kind of got back into certain things. Now I'm like, eh, I'm going to kind of lay back on cuz I don't really collect wrestling stuff. But then I see the He-Man stuff, I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. You know, like Yeah. Uh-huh. I don't know. It's it's a weird thing to get into, but the cool thing about toys, which I'll always say, usually they always hold their value. Yeah. So if you do buy some, the good thing about it is you, you usually always at least sell it for what you paid for it. Yeah, I think at least for right now, anyway. So I know we'll see what happens in the next few years and how the economy plays into that. But yeah, and, and what I what I think I'm sure is, that's another reason why a lot of people are getting out of figure collecting too, sure. is there's what 40 million Americans out of work right now. Right. It's a very weird time and. You brought up a point too, like how our generation, we grew up going to the toy aisle. That was a fun day. Oh yeah. So now we all have more of an income. Oh, we can buy these toys that are remind us of our childhood. <coughs> the kids today are watching YouTube and things of that nature. So they do they get into? I mean, because my nephew likes figures, mm-hmm. but he's not into it. Actually, you. so I know a little bit about this just because my kids are watching YouTube. So there's oh, such an annoying guy. Uh, if you're a dad I'm, and you've seen this guy, I'm sure you hate him. His name's Blippy. So he's a YouTube star. And uh, there's a kid named Ryan who's a YouTube star. Okay. And these all have... He has a video game. Yep. So these all they all have uh, toy lines now in Walmart. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh, Blippy. I hate Blippy. <laughs> I don't think I've seen that, but... <laughs> Just YouTube it and then don't ever watch it again. I, I'll have to ask my nephew because I'm sure he knows. Oh, uh, I hate Blippy. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I don't know. It's it is a it's a weird world right now. It definitely is. I mean, I, I don't know how many times I've I've seen my nephew watching videos of like kids playing with toys. Yeah, you know another thing I think is really missing, um, and I don't even know how you would get this back. And I think maybe you and I have texted about it. Is it was so cool to be able to go to a toy aisle and see something new, right. or or when a brand new line comes out. Um, you know, to see that hanging on the pegs for the first time or to be able to just pull one off and look on the back and of the card and, and see all the new things that were either out or were coming out. Um, or even, uh, well, I talked about, you know, before, uh, the JC Penney's Christmas catalog, that was a big thing for me and my brother. We'd, we'd be waiting in the fall for that thing to come and they'd have all the new stuff in there. And now I feel like there's not so much, like if I was a toy company today, um, I don't know. I feel like they should be doing something along the lines of that. Like they'll do some big reveals every once in a while at a comic con. And that's where I think most people are looking forward to. It's like, cause there's like, but I think that's about as close anymore yeah. that you can get to as far as being, having that feeling again that you had when you were a kid seeing new stuff out, you know, is to see a big reveal. But like I think uh, a toy company now, anytime they're doing anything new like that, they need to have some kind of big reveal. I know like, Funko, they used to do Funko Fridays, mm-hmm. I think it was called, where they'd reveal a bunch of new stuff to all the fans. And I don't know. That's a big element, I think, of toy collecting that's just gone. Because now you just go to, I always go to like Toy News International. And uh, every day they're posting some new figure, and it's kind of like, eh, you know, not as big a deal anymore. Well, and I think to me, I when you when, right when you said that, I first thought of the Hasbro <coughs> figures. And I'll never forget 
going to a Walmart, Toys R Us, KB Toys, wherever, seeing what they have, and it's all of a sudden it's like, ooh, Vetrick Steiner. And then you uh-huh. grab it and you're like, oh, they make Scott Steiner, obviously. you know. Uh-huh. But then it's like, oh, they made Doink. And like you start seeing all the new characters and then you're flipping through trying to find them. Like, who do they have? Who do they have? Uh-huh. You know, and that's a feeling like you Then you're not tall enough to reach the box on the top shelf. And then right. you have to ask the associate, can I see what's in that box? It's like, no. It's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> it, but it's, it's, a weird, it's a weird thing because of how different it is now from then because now it's what's on the internet, you know? Uh-huh. But I couldn't imagine, like, they made that, uh, the Mattel retro line a couple of years ago, which were like the Hasbro figures. And I'm like, man, do you know how big that would have been if those just showed up in stores and no one knew they were coming? Yeah. That would have, like, set the internet on fire. Well, and maybe that's, well, but then again, it's cool for that one person that discovered it, but then right away he's going to be posting it online sure. and that's how you're going to figure it, you know, find it out again yeah. through online again. So that's true. I don't know what the answer is. <laughs> I don't either. It's just definitely a, a weird thing. But, dude, this has been awesome catching up. We've told some fun stories, kind of dove into the, uh, you know, behind the scenes of wrestling, talking about dealing with legends, <laughs> good, good times. Um, one thing I want to touch on is you actually have a little uh, side thing you're doing called Atomic Fandom now. Yeah, so I have a, right now it's just a t-shirt line on ProWrestlingTees.com, the company or whatever you want to call it. The brand is called Atomic Fandom. I've got four shirts up there for sale. I tried to underprice everybody else on Pro Wrestling Tees, list them at like $16.99, hopefully get a little more business that way. But yeah, kind of my plan is as soon as I get any kind of time, I would like to kind of expand the brand and maybe do... A little more with it, maybe turn it into a podcast or maybe do a YouTube show of some kind down yeah. the road. So more than just t-shirts, but at the moment, yes, it's a t-shirt company. So, Well, I know you've done, you're on Facebook with that and you've actually done a few things where you'll post like, just here's toys from the nineties. Uh-huh. And that, that to me is really cool. Cause I remember you, one time you posted like American gladiators figures and uh-huh. I forgot about those. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And that's the kind of stuff I like doing in my free time as a dork. I like looking up just obscure things that I've forgotten about or things that maybe I had at one time. Like, here's a random one. Look up Mutant League sometime. There were yeah. Mutant League figures that was were... a video game too, was there not? Yeah, I think that would probably have been Sega, I yeah. would say. I think I had that. Or I think I and it was a that. cartoon for about six months till it got canceled. Right. <laughs> but the figures themselves were really cool, and I liked them. So yeah, I posted one of those. Uh, yeah, that's kind of stuff I like doing. Anything that's kind of retro, 90s, late 80s. Um, I just posted one about uh, random 90s Halloween costumes. Yeah. So there's a guy dressed up as a camp counselor from Salute Your Shorts. I saw that. It was awesome. <laughs> Global Guts, uh, Legends of the Hidden Temple. That's one of my favorites. All good Halloween costumes. Yeah, those game shows were great back then. Oh, man. Um, I so badly... Remember, there was a kid I went to school with. I told this story before, but I'll wrap it up with this. He claimed he was on Wild and Crazy Kids. I'm like, no, you weren't. <laughs> they brought in the shirt, and I'm like, you just found that like, at some store. You're not a wild and crazy But back kid. then, you no one could prove you wrong. Right. And I'm like, you would have the tape. Like, you would have the <laughs> That's tape. That's true. That. Yeah. And, of course, back in those days, if you were on that show, who knows when it's going to air. Uh-huh. You know? And so, like, me and Bane actually went back and watched a Legends of the Hidden Temple episode the other day, and it was just like... The, you know, because they're like, there's the six teams, and they go on like this raft, and they come across this water. Then they send the raft back, and the other kid uh-huh. comes, and like the kid, like through two teams were eliminated. They're like, oh, contestants not making it to the next round. Get you know nerds, and I'm like, you literally gave them a box of nerds. That was the, <laughs> that was the consolation prize. But like, yet you were at home, like, man, I wish I could have got that box of nerds. <laughs> right. It's like, 
I hope they at least got to keep the t-shirt or something. Man. Yeah, it was huge in the global guts. I actually forgot about it. See, that's a good stuff I like about this kind of thing. Um, I forgot about Wild and Crazy Kids. That was a good one. Yeah. Uh, well, that's that's one of those things like Nickelodeon, to me, had all that. I mean, this is a whole other podcast, right? But yeah. <laughs> they had all that destination television with the game shows, Double Dare. I mean, uh-huh. so badly wanted to do that obstacle course. Oh, you know? I know. Just, I mean, it's just it was fun. And that's... To me, like I look at Nickelodeon now, and I'm like, this stuff is weird. Like, it just, and I don't. My niece and nephew don't really watch it, but if they ever do, flip it over. I'm like, this is weird. I don't know. Like, it doesn't. I guess we're too old. I don't know. Don't yeah. get it anymore. But of course, I'm sure my dad is like, what are you watching? You know? Yeah. Control <laughs> rats. It's fun. You know. Turn that crap off. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, man, thanks for being on the show. This is a good time. All right. Thanks for having me. All right, guys. Well, I hope you enjoyed episode four here with Daniel Cross, and uh, episode five will be coming up, obviously, next Monday. So I hope you uh, are subscribed and ready for that one. If you're subscribed, it automatically hits your feed, and you don't have to search for it. So definitely hit that subscribe button. If you leave me a rating and review, I definitely appreciate that. That helps me get you know more people listening. The algorithms improve, all that technical stuff that we don't like to deal with. So if you could do something like that for me, I would definitely appreciate it. And anyone that does leave me a review, I'm trying to put it over on social media. So I check periodically. If you, uh, I know a good friend of the show, uh, Dobro, oh, Jonathan Dobrik one, he left me a review. And, you know, I really appreciate that, man. You're, you're a good dude. You're a super positive influence on the online world through Twitter and Instagram and everything like that. And I, I appreciate you doing a review because I know that you don't have to do that. And so I just want you to know I do appreciate that. Anyone else that does that, if I can recognize who you are, I will definitely um, do my best to put you over on the show and social media and all that stuff. But I also announced uh, last week that we had a giveaway. Well, I didn't announce it, my niece and nephew did. And uh, they are gonna be back on here this week to announce the winner of the giveaway. And uh, recording with them was interesting to say the least. So I'm gonna kick it over to my niece and nephew right now. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm back here on the podcast with my niece and nephew. So I got my niece here, Brighton, who's 10. How are you today? I'm good. And I got my nephew, Wyson, who's six. How are you today, buddy? Very good. Very good. Now, we announced last week we were doing a giveaway of a figure. Do you know who this figure is, Wyson? Nope, that is Kyle O'Reilly. Kyle O'Reilly! And this is a chase figure. So you know what that means? He chases people. No. Uh, he is special. It's rare. What that means is that... He's the medic. Don't scream so loud. It's it's rare because of the outfit he's wearing. Because normally he wears camouflage. And this one he's wearing black. So we got a That's bunch... That's weird. It's weird, huh? And he comes with the NXT tag team title and a shirt and some extra hands. And we're going to do a drawing on here. And Wyson, you are going... We've got a big wheel with everybody's name on it. And you are going to hit the button and we are going to announce the winner. Ready? Go ahead. Put this, hit that button right there in the middle. We're going to watch it. Here it goes. It's still spinning. Oh, the suspense is real. All right. We got a winner, but we don't want to announce who it is yet. We want to make sure they followed all the rules correctly. Okay. So we did some reviewing on the Twitter app, and the winner, guess what they didn't do? They didn't follow all the rules. So do you know what that means? They're not getting a surprise. Heck no, they're not. So we're going to pick a new winner. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay, hit that button again. 
Okay, the wheel's spinning. So much suspense. It's not, it's a different person. So let's go check and see if he followed all the rules. Okay, well that guy did not follow all the rules either. That's two possible winners that could have a Chase Kyle O'Reilly that did not follow all the rules. Is that the same guy? That is the same guy, so we're going to do another spin. Go ahead and hit that again. And this guy would have won. Wait, Brian, you do it. Okay, go ahead, Brian. Hit that spin button. Here we go. Why, well, so you just keep picking guys that don't follow the rules. <laughs> uh, let's see. We're... Someone different. This guy, I know this guy followed all the rules because I know this guy on Twitter. You can say the name and tell him what he needs to do is send me a direct message on Twitter and I will send him the figure. It's Sammy Evans. Sammy Evans. His He is very smart. He's very smart because he followed all the rules, didn't he? So, Sammy Evans, you are the winner of the Chase Elite 80 Kyle O'Reilly figure. And before we go, uh, do my niece and nephew have anything they want to say? Oh, heck yeah. Do you want you to Can say? we do Forget. it, sucker? <laughs> That's pretty close. That's what Bye, I said everybody. Last time. But... There's one condition. What's one condition? You gotta follow all the rules. These just two people that didn't follow the rules. And they didn't get and the figure. And this guy's very, very smart. Because he followed <laughs> all the you rules. you want to see this Uncle Rye guy, that's my Uncle Rye. He used to be a wrestler and his name's Brian Breaker. They all they all and know who I am because they, listen, they I, listen to my podcast. I, I, and we really want you to follow us on this podcast, which means you could come to my Uncle Rye's house and play with whatever thing you want to play with. Well, let's let's back up. We don't want to invite strangers to my house just yet. Maybe next week, though, okay? Can I'm you, pretty can... <laughs> sure we could done. Bye. Okay, can we say bye? Bye. Can you do this again? <laughs> So, um, for years now, I have called my niece and nephew the hooligans. That's what I, anytime I'm talking to my sister or my mom, I'm like, hey, what are the hooligans doing? That's kind of my nickname for them. And um, after hearing that, you probably get why. <laughs> uh, they're, they're good kids, though. They're just, uh, they're kids. It's, it's fun. And, uh, you know, I've got a few people reach out to me and said they thought that was pretty fun that I did that. And, you know, it was fun. It was interesting because... They've always known that I podcast, and anytime they see my podcast set up, you know, with the microphones and stuff, because we, you know, me and Bane's mics are always here. He keeps, like, his laptop at home, obviously, but we have our mics set up, because setting up the mic stand and the wires and all that stuff is kind of a, a bit of a process. So we have it all set up here, and anytime they see that, they're like, ooh, microphones, you know, and I think most kids have that thought. Of course, my nephew doesn't process the fact that if you talk in this microphone, it won't it's, there's no speaker, right? You know, it's not like a, uh, a karaoke machine or something. So um, he's constantly getting loud, trying to think, oh, that will make my voice louder. So it's definitely funny. And uh, I have two microphones. I have a two microphone set up. So I would set him on my lap and I would give my niece uh, Bane's microphone. And, and she's in the other chair, which he didn't like, obviously, because he didn't want to have to share. And then he's trying to get up and move around. So you can kind of hear his voice kind of go in and out, which that's why. Uh, but they're kids. And that's what's fun about it is it's... <laughs> It's, it's unpredictable to say the least as he kind of ran off on his own little tangent there at the end and then started inviting strangers over to my house. So please don't take that as an open invite and definitely call first if you decide to show up. Um, <laughs> but anyway, it's, it's definitely fun having them on. And I think I'll do a giveaway again in the future. Um, 
And uh, Sammy Evans, congratulations, man. Shoot me a DM, and uh, we will get that sent out to you. It's a Chase Elite 80 Kyle O'Reilly. So there you have it. And um, anyway, real quick, I, I did a couple of drawings first, as you guys heard on here. And, of course, I'm trying to do that live with my niece and nephew, which was, you know, difficult to say the least. And the, what had happened was the rule I set for the, the giveaway, if you saw the tweet, was, you know, follow me, follow big underscore Bane, retweet, like, and comment your favorite wrestler or your favorite obscure wrestler. And the two people that drew, I drew their name first, they didn't follow Bane. And that was one of the rules. So that was like the first thing I checked. I'm like, well, okay. You commented, you, you retweeted it, you liked it, but you didn't follow all the rules. So maybe it was too many rules. I don't know. It's my first giveaway, um, but I, I will keep I will keep doing them in the future because that was a lot of fun. I think uh, getting everyone kind of on board was, was a cool thing. So I will let everybody know when I decide to do one again. But thank you guys for checking out, you know, it's fake, right? The ongoing battle with the dirtiest four-letter word in pro wrestling, but I can't leave yet. You know why? Because i got to announce next week's guest. The Russian Renegade, the sworn enemy of all bears everywhere, the one and only Dmitry Alexandrov will be here for episode five. I'm really excited to talk with him. You know, I, I knew Dmitry when he was just some guy that showed up at shows. Then all of a sudden he's a referee. Then he's a manager. Now he's wrestling, but he's not really getting what he wants. Then next thing you know, he's in Texas and he's top of the cards and he's winning awards and I feel like he's a guy that could be going places, and that's been so much fun to see his rise. And uh, and uh, get set back and talk with him and have him on the show is great. And he'll be on again, no doubt, because Dimitri's just a, a great guy, and I, I wish nothing but absolute success for him. So that will be coming up for Episode 5 on You Know It's Fake Right. Uh, thank you guys for checking out the show, and remember, as the great Johnny Valentine would say, I can't make you believe that wrestling is real, but I sure as hell can make you believe that I am. See you next week. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Wonderful. I've been a rapper a minute, and I can stand toe to toe with the best of the minute. Don't give a damn about critics, they talk a lot, but at the end of the night, I'm selling the tickets. All the tough guys avoid me, the ladies all adore me, paparazzi record me, I can put on a clinic, all my opposers are born.